Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to declare, proclaim, to plant the seed of your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that your words would be the ones that they hear and not my own. I pray that you use me as an instrument in your hands, that I would be transparent as you minister to your people. I pray, Lord, as I speak the word, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and that they would truly never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. So this is the second part of God Said. We did God Said two weeks ago. We talked on baptism. I normally don't do that, but as I was reading through some of the scriptures on baptism, I was like, man, this preaches. I'm going to go ahead and minister this. And I hope that those that were here and heard the ministry and heard the word on baptism, uh, got a li- and we're already, maybe you were already baptized, and uh, you have a little better understanding. I'll just say this about that as I was studying it. Uh, the Holy Spirit really ministered to me on, uh, you know, you confess with your mouth, I'm going to use that scripture today, what you believe in your heart unto salvation, and you receive what Jesus did. And when you do that, you're saved. You're going to heaven, Right? And it's, uh, I like to call it our fire insurance. But when you get baptized, you sign a contract. When you get baptized after salvation, you're saying, I'm not only saved, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to be obedient to his word. I'm going to do my best to live according to what he's asked me to do. It's, it's kind of a commitment. Now, you don't have to be baptized to live that way. But when you do it, it's kind of a, a point of contact, right? It's an outward expression of an inward change. And that really ministered to me. And that's what got me to, to go ahead and minister on that. But we did God said, and today's the second part, say so. So if God said, then we have to say. Right? And, uh, uh, you know, prayer has been whittled down to asking God for things. We do that. We thank God for things. That's awesome. We should be doing that all the time. We praise God for things. We should be doing that. Today, I want to speak to you about the prayer of declaration. This is the one we don't do as often because it falls on our responsibility to know the word and to be able to speak to a circumstance and have that circumstance change because of our faith and not because we ask God to do it. Think about that for a minute. 
We always go to God and we always ask him for the answer to prayers. And if that prayer doesn't get answered, who do we blame? We blame God. He didn't do it. And I'm, I'm going to say this again. I know some of you always look at me. I said this one time in a church uh, I was preaching at, and they all went, huh? You know, like Scooby-Doo, huh? I said, God has done everything he's ever going to do for you. So the things that you pray for and the things that you're asking God for, according to his word, have already been done. Our prayer of faith is to bring that to fruition or to bring that into the realm of reality from a place that it's already finished. Because in heaven, it's done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, he's not going. He says, should he go to the cross again for the sake of our sin? It's, no. It's already a finished and a done deal. So we need to learn about prayer of declaration or the, the say-so prayer. Hebrews 11, 1, and 3, 1 through 3, we know this scripture very well. Right? We've preached from here. We've heard uh, men of faith preach from here. Uh, the word of faith churches, which we are, preach from here. Uh, but I'm going to focus on just a certain part of this this morning. Uh, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds, here it is, were framed by the word of God. In one translation it says framed by the spoken word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. <laughs> in Hebrews, the same scripture in the Message Bible. I always say this before I read the message. It is a paraphrase. It's not considered a true translation, but sometimes they knock it out of the park. And uh, here we have one that uh, uh, hits it pretty good. Uh, Verse 1, the, foundation, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. You see how it kind of doesn't really fit what I said before? It's our handle on what we can't see. A little better. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Here it is, verse 3. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. I like that one. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. Did you know that you could frame your world? By what you say? Your situations, your circumstances, you could change those and frame those. You could make them good or bad by what you say. We always want to preach the good. Well, if you say this and you quote this scripture and you say that, but you know there are things that we say and we declare into our own life and we do it out of tradition or we do it not even knowing. You know, one of the things I had to, it was hard to remove from my vocabulary, but I had to remove it because I was saying my, when my kids were small, you know, when your kid does something wrong, I don't know why, but we want to say, what's wrong with you? Man, I said that one day and my spirit leaped inside of me and 
And I felt scolded. I was like, I can't say that over my kids. There's nothing wrong with my kids. That's not a good saying. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> right? Because you want to say it again. It's something that in our culture we just say it. In Spanish, sorry guys, in Spanish it's even worse. We call them devils. Diablito. And we say this. That is so, you know, and it's kind of, oh, it's cute. It's nice. No, it's not. It's not. It's not okay to profess and confess those things. We need to learn to say God's word over our circumstances, over our children, over our marriage, over our finances. Did you know that you could change your entire life and your whole world around you by what you say? But it, you have to give yourself a vocabulary. The only way you're going to use God's word is to have this in your heart. We're going to get there in just a minute. You have to have that vocabulary. Well, these people pray, and they pray so nice. Yeah, if you just got saved, and you come before the Lord, and you just share your heart, he's going to hear that prayer just as much. But as you begin to grow in the Lord, and you begin to know the word, and you begin to believe for things, and you want to ask God for stuff or proclaim things into your life, and I'm not talking about this crazy prosperity millionaire, every Christian's a millionaire kind of thing. Right? I'm not talking about that. But he is, he shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He is our shepherd and we shall not want needs and wants. I don't need a $10 million house. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want a $10 million house. I was watching a, a little documentary on, have you guys ever seen the lotto winners? They win $10, $20 million, and they go and they buy a you know, $5, 6000000 million house. They pay taxes on that for three years, and they're broke. The upkeep, the, the air conditioning for 11, 12, 15,000 square foot homes, they go broke. It's like, just give me one of those, and I'll be good. <laughs> I just need one. Right? When you grow up, you learn. I don't need all that. But I'm one of the richest men in the world. Did you know that? I have a beautiful wife that's been with me for 33 years. And three years ago, I gave her a diamond ring and I asked her to spend another 30 years with me. And she said yes. So I'm doing it. I'm doing it 30 years at a time. So I, when we reach 60, I'm going to say another 30 years. Another 30 years, babe. Would you do another 30 years for me? <laughs> no, 60 years married, not 60 years old. I'm about to hit that very soon here, buddy. No, I don't plan on being like that. 60 years married, married, married. That's another 27 years from now. Another 27 years from now. Thank you for clearing that up, Pastor Curly. I appreciate that. <laughs> I have three amazing children. They're so much better than your kids. This is your chance to say, no, mine are better than yours. All right. But to me, they're the best. They can't do anything wrong. You guys didn't even believe that one when I said it, right? But even when they do, we help them through it, and we love them just as much. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. I got three. 
I have a roof over my head. I live in a, in a decent home that I bought, I'll tell you, $150,000. Do you know what the houses in our neighborhood are selling for right now? Half a million. I'm like, we're like, let's sell. I was like, no, because you can't buy anything right now. <laughs> I want to pay off the one I'm in and stay there, right? That's what I want to do. Lord, I pray that you would provide for me to pay off my home. Let it come down. Release the finances. See, now I prayed to God and I'm speaking to it. <laughs> it all depends on what you think rich is. Having money doesn't make you rich. In fact, God chooses very few people to be at that level where you're talking millions and billions of dollars that are his, you know, that are kings. You know, there's two things in the Bible. You have kings and priests. And the kings provide for the ministry and the priests do the ministry. And in the old days when there were kings and priests, the kings would go to the priests for counsel. Can you imagine the president having pastors counseling him to change laws and, and do things and wouldn't do anything unless the priest approved it? Wow. So how? How do you change your circumstance by what you say? How do you frame your world? By faith's dynamic trio, I call it. Some of you have heard this before. You may have heard it a couple of times. But faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you're going to hear it again. There are three simple things to, you need to know to frame your world with the Word of God. You have to uh, declare uh, or change how you think. Change how you believe and change how you confess. And it is in that sequential order. Your mind, your heart, and your mouth. For these three principles to work in your life, you must learn to apply them in this same order. You must think right to believe right, and you must believe right to confess right. You see the process there? So if you're thinking wrong, you'll believe wrong. And if you're believing wrong... You'll confess or you'll declare wrong. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's no middle ground. It's black and white. Death and life. How about something in the middle there where I could... No, there isn't. You're either confessing a blessing and declaring a blessing and life into your life. Or you're declaring and confessing death. Into your life. And that's just not physical death. That's death of a business, death of a marriage, yeah. death of a job, death of a, a, a dream. We're killing our own dreams by our own mouth. Yeah. We've had visions and dreams. I was praying the other day and I was wanted to have a conversation with my wife and, and we were talking. And I said, Lord, I, I want to say something deeper than just, you know, I wanna I wanna say something. And I was like, you know, I want to I wanna dream. I want to be able to envision our marriage. Even though it's, it's decent, it's good, you know, you have seasons in marriage. I want it 10, 20 times better. I don't want to lose my dream. I don't want to settle. <laughs> One time we were going to, uh, we were on our way to, um, to Ramah. We were going up there, and we had heard so many... People had talked so much death. 
or you're going to suffer and you're going to do this. And we're like, man, it's all part of the training. And people are telling us stuff. And, and I'm like, man, I, this is just. And these are people that already went to, to, to Rama. I'm like, how do you go to Rama and then come back and give me all that, <laughs> that, that negativity? I didn't want to hear anything of it. So my first preaching, they give you, a, it's in pulpit speech class, and they give you 12 minutes. Uh, uh, Pastor Watts was the, the teacher, and um, he would sit on the front row, and he had a stop sign, like this big, a regular size stop sign on a stick. And you would go, and in 12 minutes, you got to get the message across. You have to have the beginning, the meat, and the end. And then he would, there was no warning, like you got two minutes. No, at 12 minutes, he holds the, and you got to stop talking. If you, t if you continue talking beyond the stop sign, it takes points off of your thing. So I'm like, and then if you do it too short, you had to like really fit it into those 12 minutes. So I said, I'm just going to take one scripture because 12 minutes, you know, I could talk. So uh, I'm going to have to figure this out. And so as I'm preparing, I, I took everything that was being told to me that we were going to, and I said, this can't be it. And I, and I used the scripture, for he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us, right? And as I'm reading that, I've read it way before that time, before I went to Rome. I read it many, many, many times, and it always seemed very positive. It always seemed like an encouragement. But this time, and it is, and this time I heard it in my heart as a, you're not thinking and asking to my level. Your thinking and your asking is way down here, and I'm way up here. Get your thinking and your asking up to. That's, that's how I saw it. I was, and when I realized that, I started to, to, right? My wife opened the business. We prospered. We went to Brazil. We bought a house in, in uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, which we were able to bless somebody with. We sold it to them at barely at market price and gave them a business and bless them. They still to today remember us and thank us for that business. We, we, you know, we, we were just able to be a blessing. We had all the college, I don't know why, but we had college and career age people in our, in our home all the time. Thanksgiving, with those that didn't go home for Thanksgiving, they came to our house. We were constantly blessing people and helping people and because the Lord blessed us. Because we refuse to accept what everybody was saying to us, and we wanted to stand. And I lifted up my, my voice and said, that's it. I'm, I'm here to learn faith. How am I going to bow before this circumstance? This circumstance has to bow before the Word of God. So I changed my thinking. I changed my heart. And that automatically changed my mouth. It changed my confession. If you want a better life, then you have been living, then you must learn to think, believe, and speak the word of God. Listen, your present condition was shaped by the thoughts, beliefs, and words of your past. I'm, I'm kind of a feel-good guy. I want everybody to like me, but sometimes you just got to tell the truth. Quit blaming everybody else for your circumstances. It's not God's fault. It's not your spouse. Even if they were involved, it's not... Listen... You have control by what you think, what you put in your heart, and what you say over every circumstance. So wherever you're at right now, you're there because you thought wrong, if it's bad. You thought wrong, you believed wrong, and you spoke wrong. That means that you could turn it around by thinking right, 
believing right, and speaking right. Let's just change how we do those things by what? According to the word. If you want to change your present condition, then you need to change what you've been thinking, what you've been believing, what you've been saying. You need to frame your world with the word of God. See, God has given us his word to get our minds straightened out. I say this sometimes, and not, I know it, not everybody agrees and in, in our, our you know, faith family that we have, you know, and, and, and they don't always believe this way, but we have a major uh, uh, problem here in the United States with uh, mental disabilities and mental problems. You got uh, depression, you got anxiety, you've got, and, and uh, in our family, uh, some of us have gone through some of those, through some of those moments and some of those times. And if you don't get your mind straight, which is the, what, what allows you to put the word into your mouth, so I have given counsel, and you have to take your own and go to God on your own. But I've given counsel that says, let's get your mind straight. Let's, get, let's go to therapy. Let's go, you know, I used to not say this, like therapy, Christian therapist. But therapy was like the devil, right? I mean, the, back when I was a, a, a baby Christian, I was like, oh, no, those people, they just, you know. And we never, we never learned to take care. We were always spiritual, right? And we were always physical, but we never talk about the soul. And the Bible has a lot to say about the soul. I might actually do a series on the soul again because I've done it in the past. And the soul has its own issues and its own problems. It's part of your mind and your intellect, your personality. I don't want to shut that down. I like myself. I like my personality. I know I'm annoying sometimes. It's okay. I annoy myself. It's okay. But we need to fix the entrance where the entrance of the word comes sometimes. So I tell people, let's get this straight. It might not take very long. Let's just get this at a place where we can at least bring the word in. It's just like pain. When you're in real bad pain about something, it's hard to believe. It's hard to have faith. It really is. It's okay. So if we could take that pain and bring it to a, a reasonable level where we could begin to believe in faith to take care of not the pain, but the problem that's causing the pain. We do all symptom stuff here. Oh, you got pain? Let's just give you something. Where aren't you going to find out where, why I have this pain? Why don't we go to the, why don't we put the ax to the root of the problem? Right? Use those words in the doctor's office that's Muslim, and he kind of looks at you weird. But... <laughs> I almost annoyed myself there. Romans, <laughs> Romans 12, 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That means God already has a will. I don't have to say, if it is your will, I know his will. We love using that. Can we remove that from our prayer vocabulary? Can I help you do that this morning? Listen, his will is here. Yes, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if it be thy will, but if not, 
if you can't pass this cup from me, then I'll go to the cross and I'll do it. He knew what was coming. He knew the pain, the suffering. He knew what he was about to do. He, he was so stressed and had so much anxiety, yes, I'm using that word, yeah. that he sweat blood. He was going through something mentally and physically, yet his spirit said, I'll do what you want me to do, God. I'll do with this body and with this soul and with this mind whatever it is that I need to do. I will let the punishment that is deserved to be upon the people that are going to do this to me, and I'll take it upon myself. Because we all did it. You know, we all put them up there. We want to blame the Romans, and, and we want to say, right? But we all put them up there by our own sin because he had to pay the price for my sin. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. So renew your mind with the word so that we know the perfect will of God. For I say, verse 3, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That's Midwestern measure. That's how they say it, measure. A measure of faith. We've all been given faith. What you do with that faith is up to you. Are you going to feed it? Are you going to bury it? Are you going to declare it? Are you going to feed it the word of God? How do you renew your mind? Through the word. Sometimes we pray to God about something and we keep praying to God and it's not happening. And, and, you know, and, and then if you come to me, I'm going to ask you, so what word are you standing on? Because if you want me to agree with you, we, we got, it's got to be in agreement with what it says here. It has to be. I can't come up with my own faith sayings, and we have them. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Find that in there. Now, should you be clean? Yes! Please, take a shower every day. Use deodorant. There's stuff called soap. It's really amazing. Right? Clean up your house. You want to hear a message about that? In the year 2000, it's called How to Attract Plenty by Miles Monroe. And you could probably find it on YouTube. I don't think there's a video. It's just an audio of it. And he talks about taking care of what you have for God to be able to give you more. But you can't find that, that you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. No, but there are words and scriptures that will lead you and, and have you stand on. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, <clears throat> all scripture, all, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You want to get right with God? Go to his inspiration. You want to get right with God? Find out what he expects of you. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness means right standing with God. Once we become fully persuaded by his word, then we can frame our lives with the word. See, Abraham learned to frame his life with God's word. In Romans 4, 16 through 21, it says, Therefore, it is of faith 
that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became, he became what he said, the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, God is so awesome, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old. <laughs> And deadness of Sarah's womb. I don't know, but I find all this very amusing. He did, <laughs> he did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. Where are you convinced? In your mind, you're convinced. You're convinced in your mind, right? He was fully convinced that what he had promised, now it's in his heart was also able to be performed. By what? By what he said. This is what's so awesome about this scripture. If you know your Old Testament and you know what happened at that moment, this is not exactly how it happened. He calls Abraham the man of faith that believed even though. And really it didn't go out, it didn't go down that way. But see, God did not mention his failure to believe. God did not look at him as the man that stood behind the door and laughed. While Sarah said, maybe you should go lay down with and have a, you guys are awesome. This whole section here knows their Bible right here. They created an Ishmael. Outside of what God had said, outside of their faith, they did it by their own strength, and God does not even mention it here. Why? Because they renewed their mind, they changed their heart, and they began to profess what God said over them. And that's all God needs, and that's all God will remember. He doesn't remember our failures. Go through Hebrews 11. Through the whole thing, it talks about all the people of faith, the great cloud of witnesses, as it says in Hebrews 12. It goes through all of them. It doesn't mention their failures. We could read them because they're there. There's, there's a, an account of them, but God doesn't mention it. Listen, if you've fallen on your face and you ha- hadn't had, haven't had enough faith to believe for something and you're going through something for years at a time like the woman with the issue of blood, All that matters is that you change right now. Because God will put all that behind and say, I don't even know what happened there. I have no idea this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He is a man or a woman of faith. That's all he'll know. We serve a good God. God made a promise to Abraham, but Abraham's circumstances did not match up with the promise. But Abraham was fully persuaded in his mind, in his heart, 
and in his confession. Remember, faith's dynamic trio. The greatest miracle is in your mouth. There's a little, I want to say Charles Capps, I'm not sure, but there's a little booklet that says you have a miracle in your mouth. It might be Hagen, but it's, it's thank you very much. John Osteen. I have it in my, in my thing there. And it says, uh, there's a miracle in your mouth. Sorry, I wanted to make sure they understood who I was saying. I'm not picking on the, on the little one. I'm just, I'm just uh, uh, confirming. Giving honor to whom honor is due. See, I almost got upset with myself there. So the greatest miracles in your mouth, Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. But what does it say? What does it say? The word is near you, in your, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Now, all these are, before I read 10, all these are scriptures according to salvation. But this confession of your mouth and, and believing in your heart is not subject only to salvation. Look at how the next scripture. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it is speaking of salvation, but it's not speaking of only. It's, right now it is. <clears throat> confession <clears throat> is made unto salvation. So let's look up that word salvation. In the New Testament, it's the word soteria. And I know I'm saying it with a Spanish accent, and that's how I say it, and I don't care what the little... Thing, the little microphone thing says on uh, Strong's Concordance. Salvation, soteria. It's, listen to this, deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation, deliverance from the molestation of your enemies. Salvation as the present possession, present possession of all true Christians. Salvation doesn't happen when you go to heaven. It happens the day you give your life to the Lord. It's future, uh, <clears throat> present possession, future salvation. Listen to this. The sum of all benefits and blessings which the Christians redeemed from all earthly ills will enjoy after the visible return of Christ from heaven in the consummated and eternal kingdom of God. It was all done. It is Finished. It is done. What? Everything. Everything. That's why I say God has done everything he's ever going to do for you. Everything is done. The miracle is in what you say. And the only way you can change what you say is by changing what you think and what you believe. Dare. I dare you to speak out the promises. Say them out loud. Sometimes we mumble and we think in our minds. Sometimes I'm in my car praying or whatever, and you know, not just for the person in front of me that's driving super slow, but sometimes I'm praying for other things. And, and, and on Sunday mornings, I wake up praying, I take a shower praying, I'm, you know, now we're praying in here, I pray on the way here, sometimes I just pray in the Spirit the whole time, but I'm constantly putting words out there. Yes. It has to be the Word of God. Dare, I dare you to speak the promises. 
Say them to yourself. Say them to the devil. Say them to your sickness. Say them to your mountain of trouble. Say them while the pain is still there. Say them when you are so sick you can hardly even think. And if you can't say them, find somebody to say them over you. If you're married, it's your responsibility. If your spouse is going through something, you begin speaking the blessings of God over your spouse. Even if it causes an argument. If they don't like it, wait till they're sleeping. If they don't like you saying that stuff, wait till they're sleeping. And then declare those things over them. Say them. Sometimes we go to God and ask for him to heal us. If you get a bad report, you know, I go to, you know, some people say, I don't go to the doctor or whatever. That's fine. That's your faith. I go to find out what I got to pray for. So if I find out, okay, you got this. All right, now I can target my prayer. And I begin to speak to that. I begin to speak to that thing. And I talk to that part of my body. And I tell that part of my body that it was created by God and it's got to get in line with God's word. Even if you got to get upset about it. Speak to it. Speak to your finances. When you give... When you come in and give or you go online and give, when you give, speak. When I write my, I sit in there every Sunday morning, I write my tithe check in there for my wife and I together, and I put it in my envelope, and I pray over that. I say, here's my seed. It will come back to me. Do you know that you can count how many seeds are in a fruit, in an apple, but you cannot count how many apples are in a seed? You can eat your seed. You can spend it on yourself. You can go, right? Or you can plant the seed and multiply it by. Think about that. There's a, a, a ministry in Africa called Mustard Seed Ministries or something. And the entire ministry is under a mustard tree. That was planted by the missionary that went there in this desert you got to look at the picture. It's amazing. And you have this tree. The trunk is like this big around. It goes out, and then the tree spreads out and creates shade for their ministry. And they built everything, the huts and houses and things under that tree. Mustard seed ministries. It's amazing to see a tree like that. I taught on the mustard seed uh, one time here at our, at our co-op school that we have, and I brought in pictures. And wow, a mustard seed is the smallest little thing. But if you put it in the ground... It's one of the biggest trees. Incredible. Isaiah 43, 25 through 26. I, even I, am who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Remember, we talked about that earlier. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. Listen, state your case that you may be acquitted. State your case. 
God is telling you to put him in remembrance and say out loud his promises that pertain to your circumstances. Mark 11, 23, we're coming to an end. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed. Whoever what? Praise? No, says. Be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. This puts everything on us. It puts the responsibility of removing the mountain. Now, this is not a physical mountain. It's a, it's a mountain that's in your life that's keeping you from being able to be everything that God has called you to be. Don't worry, I'm not trying to get you in the Marines. Right? He's, <laughs> he's telling you, look, say to this problem, this issue, it could be a mountain of an issue. It could be a mountain of a disease. It could be a mountain of a problem in your marriage. It could be a mountain of a financial issue. It could be a mountain. Just talk to it. Tell it it has to move. We're so caught up on what we should say or not say or what other people think of me. I don't care. You get over that real quick and you'll be confessing in a supermarket. You'll be confessing over people in a supermarket. I've done that in a, in a Publix. I think it was in a Publix, and the lady in front of me was going through her change to pay for her sodas. And I know soda is not really something that you need, but I wanted to bless the lady. And I said, I'll pay for your sodas. Just put them on mine. Put it together with mine, and you could put your change back in your purse. And she goes, really? And I said, yes. And I said, and I'm going to tell you right now that God is going to bless you so you're going to turn around and you're going to do this for someone else and, and your life's going to change. Your financial situation is going to change. Uh-huh. And she grabbed her sodas and left. I don't know if she received what I said, but the, 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 the cashier didn't say another word. Her eyes were this big. She's looking at me like, what is wrong with this guy? I don't care. Because that lady will have those words ringing in her ear all the way home. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.